Would you stand with me and follow along as I read our text for today? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John chapter 1, 1 through 18. It's on page 886 in a pew Bible. You're going to want a Bible open this morning. We're going to do a little bit of holy flipping later on. And so if you don't have a Bible, grab one of those pew Bibles, and that'll make it easy for you because the page number will always be on the screen as well. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. God, would you make yourself known to us this morning through your word, through your light, through your son, Jesus the Christ. We pray in your name. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, if you were here last week, you know that we preached the same text, and we're preaching this through this passage every, every week this Advent season, and uh, last week we were looking at Jesus as the light. John introduced Jesus, Jesus to us in a couple different ways. He introduces Jesus to us as the Word, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, and then as the light as well, which we looked at last week, and we had four questions to ask last week about the light, and those four questions were this. It was, how, what is darkness? John talks about Jesus being light in darkness, and so last week we discovered what is darkness. We wanted to understand that, and then what is the light, and who is the light, and we discover in John 1 that the light is Jesus himself, and then what does the light do? What does Jesus do? And that's as far as we got. We didn't get to question number four, how do we live in the light? And so that's where we're going today. We're going to spend today all on that last question, how do we live in the light? And and I want to summarize how we live in the light for you by just simply saying that we live in the light by walking in the light, by walking as children in the light. Throughout the scriptures, there's Old Testament reference and New Testament reference to, to God being the light of the world. He is the creative energy. He is the light of the world. And then specifically, and we talked about this last week, that we see God as the light in the person of Jesus. Jesus comes to give specificity to us about who God is and and how God is light. And so that metaphor is both Old and New Testament. And then also there's this metaphor in the Old and the New Testament about how you and I then ought to live in the light. That last question, how do we live in the light? 
And last week we talked about darkness and how darkness creeps at every one of our doorsteps, that there's some darkness and some dark tendencies inside of us, but Jesus has come to, to, to expose and expel darkness from our life. That's what Jesus, the light, does. Then the question is, how do we live in the light? And this biblical metaphor, both Old and New Testament, is that we live in the light by walking in the light. Specifically, we walk as children of the light. And we're going to see how the scriptures call us to that this morning by looking at four specific things that you and I can do to walk in the light. Four ways that we can walk in the light or that we can live as children of the light. And the first one is to surrender to the light's invasion. Surrender to the light's invasion. Here's what I mean by that. Look at John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, there's this reality in the scriptures throughout the entire sweep and, and scope and story of the scriptures, and then also in your life, if you think about the events of your life and how God has has reached into your world. Maybe some of you are, are committed followers of Jesus. In fact, I think most of you are. Some of you may not be sure. You're, you're trying to discover this Jesus thing. You're asking questions. Somebody invited you here, or you've been coming for a while, and you're curious about Jesus, but you're not sure that he's the word, that he's the light, that he's the Lord, that he's the Savior, that you want to live your life in allegiance to him. You're not sure about that. And, and the reality is, throughout the scriptures, the whole story of the scriptures and our own story is that God invades our darkness, God initiates relationship with any one of his kids, with any one of his followers. We see this throughout the scriptures and even in your own life. Those of you who know Jesus, you've walked with him for some time. Think about how God broke through your darkness with his light. Maybe you were raised in the church. Maybe you were raised hearing about these things. And so there was always an element there where you, where you kind of saw the light, you knew the light, you heard about the light. But in your story, there were moments in time where God specifically broke into your darkness, met you there, shined the light of God, illuminate the scriptures, illuminated who God is in the person of Jesus Christ to you so that you understood him in a deeper, more meaningful way where you wanted to have a relationship with him. God initiates relationship with us, his kids. This is what I mean by surrender to the light's invasion. I love how John says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In a way, it's like when I go to wake up my children for school. Uh, our, our kids' school starts at 7.45. It's just ungodly. I don't know why they do that to us. Which means I have to go into my kids' room at 6.30, and this time of year, right, it's pitch black at 6.30, and especially before daylight savings time, which is just, a, I'm glad we're getting away with that. No, it was held up by the politicians. Bummer. I don't know what this has anything to do with, but um, I go into my kids' room at 6.30, and on the weekend, guess what time were they up this morning? Six. No problem. Out of bed, playing, having fun. But on a Monday, tomorrow morning, 6.30, they're going to be sleeping like a log. They're completely out. It's pitch black in their room. And you know what I do like a good dad? I go in and I flip on the light. <laughs> light in darkness. It invades their darkness. Light pushes out darkness. It expels darkness. And they cower underneath their blankets, and they don't want the light, and they hide from the light. And the, the light is alarming. It invades their sleep. It wakes them up. And slowly over time, though, they begin to peel back the blankets to their bed and their, their eyes begin to open. And we all know this process, right? And we can't live our life in the dark. 
And sometimes our exposure to the light and the light invading our darkness, it, it happens differently for all of us. When my wife and I bought our new house, there is a, <laughs> there's a dimmer switch in the bathroom. And I was like, that's weird. Like we're walking through the house. I'm like, ooh, romantic bathroom. All right, I like this. Dim the lights. I'm not sure what's going to happen in here, but it's been amazing. I, I had never seen a light with a bathroom with dimming lights. I, I honestly didn't know the purpose. For me, it meant romance, right? Candle at dinner. And then, as soon as we moved in, I realized, oh, this is amazing. At early in the morning, when you go into the bathroom to do your business, you can dim those lights, and you don't have to have that, like, shock. And no matter how we respond to the light, the truth is, regardless of how bright and radiant the light is at any moment of time, the light invades the darkness, it pushes out the darkness, and it expels the darkness, and there's this progression to us adjusting to the light. Some of you adjust to the light quickly, easily. You're familiar with it. When God bursts into your world, you're responsive and you're ready. And, and maybe that's not all the time. Sometimes you're responsive and ready. Sometimes you're ready to go. You're, you're up. You see. Other times you're like my kids hiding underneath the blankets, slowly peeling it back. And, and all of us, I think, respond to the light differently in different seasons and different ways. But the reality is that the light invades the darkness. And the light is not dependent on your response. This is good news for the wandering. For those of you who have rejected God time and time again, or maybe you've squelched God, maybe you've, maybe you've hidden the light underneath a bushel basket. Isn't that a song? Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Some of you have been running from God. You've been dabbling in darkness. And you need to be reminded that God's light invades the darkness. He has come to push out and expel darkness. And maybe you've been hiding under the covers for years. That does not change the fact that the light of God is right outside. And you begin to peel that away, and God will illuminate your life, and he will bring healing to those dark places. Amen? This is what God does. He invades our darkness. He takes initiative to be with us, his children. This, this passage in John, John chapter 1, it's, it's referring back to this old prophecy from Isaiah 9, which we looked at last week, but we have to continue to look at it. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The prophet Isaiah says this. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown. That, that idea of invasion, that they are in a dark world. And last week we said, what is darkness? Darkness is, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the systems of the world. It's the religions of the world, devoid of God's grace and glory and goodness and mercy and forgiveness. It, it, it's the systems of the world. It's political systems, religious systems. It's, it's our own fleshly desires and impulses. And then it's the devil who is wreaking havoc on the world and the flesh. And these people are walking in darkness. In the Old Testament, they're in darkness. They're in a world of darkness, and they have a flesh of darkness. There is a devil who is deceiving them in the dark. And in that, God invades their world by sending Jesus, the light of the world, to shine on their darkness. It had nothing to do with what they had done. They, did, they weren't able to conjure up the light to shine into the darkness. God took initiative. God invaded their dark places. I just want to give you a few more biblical examples um, just as a beautiful picture of how the light shines into the darkness and invades our darkness. Psalm 18, 28. 
Psalm 18, 28, this is David after he has conquered some enemies in Saul who was seeking to kill him. David in, eight, in Psalm 18, 28 says, For it is you who lights my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. God comes, takes initiative, lightens our darkness. And then Psalm 139, 11 and 12. We looked at this passage last week, but it's a great reminder. Psalm 139, 11 and 12. David says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. And, and in this, David is, David is dependent. He is lost in the dark. You know when you're lost in the dark and you can't find the light switch? There's no light to be seen and you're just completely lost? David is lost in the darkness, but he's saying regardless of his dark night of the soul, regardless of his dark existence, even there, he says, if I say surely the dark shall cover me and the light about me be night, verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Where God is, there is light. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where Jesus' name is spoken and declared and believed, there is light in darkness. The last example, we'll flip back to the New Testament here to see God's invasion of light. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, and this is the conversion of Saul. God met him on the, road, on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, 1 through 5. Flip there and read this with me. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, if you're newer to the Bible, the way is Jesus, so Saul is a religious leader who, as it says, is breathing out murderous threats against the followers of Jesus, the disciples, the apprentices of Jesus. And he goes to, to the religious leaders and he says, I want letters so that if I find these Christians, if I find any belonging to the way, men or women, I'm in verse 2, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. If I find any followers of Jesus, I want a letter giving me permission to bind them up, tie them hands and feet, and drag them to Jerusalem because they're criminals for worshiping Jesus. Verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. See, God is light invading darkness. You want, you want to talk about darkness? That's some extreme darkness happening there. The world and the religious systems... The, the Jews and the Romans kind of working together to squelch out this Jesus movement. It's, that's worldly darkness. And then Paul in his own flesh loving the praise and the approval and the, and the power that he has with the religious system in bed with the political system. And this is, this is his darkness. He's pursuing and persecuting Christians, dragging them into jail and breathing out murderous threats. If you, if you know the storyline, a couple chapters to the left in Acts 7, Paul stands by, Saul, also known as Paul, he stands by and gives consent and approval as they kill Stephen. He's a murderer of Christians. Can it be any darker? And, and God invades this darkness. Verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? 
And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus speaks from heaven and shows up to Paul as light. And then it blinds Paul. If you read the story going on, he's blinded for three days until Ananias prays over him and, and, and something like scales falls off of his eyes and he can see again. There's this psalm where, where David says, in your light we see light. See, God invades the darkness. He is the light that invades our darkness and in that he reveals to us what light is. He's the light that we need in order to see that he is the light of the world. This is all God's work. Keep that in mind, church family. We are dependent on God. We must surrender to the light's invasion. Some of you are wandering and, and wondering where God is, and, and some of you are praying and longing for people who you love and know, or, or maybe people who are just in your sphere of relationship to know God. Keep praying, keep sharing, keep proclaiming Jesus. Keep speaking light into darkness, but then release yourself from the results. The light invades the darkness. God initiates relationship. And, and we have a responsibility, that's to surrender to the light. It's to eventually peel back the covers and to come out into the light, which leads to the second point, which is that we need to recognize and receive who and what the light reveals. Recognize and receive who and what the light reveals. Flip back to John 1 for this. And again, there's, there's this, there's this kind of two-pronged reality to salvific faith. God's sovereignty, God initiates with us, and then our responsibility, we respond. And so John here is, is just telling us the truth, right? The light shines in the darkness. God invades our darkness in the person of Jesus, the true light. Verse 9, he says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. There's this inability to recognize who Jesus is and, and what Jesus is revealing for some people. Verse 11, he came to his own. And this is specifically Jesus came as a Jew to the Jewish people, the God's promised people, God's chosen people from the Old Testament. Jesus came as a Jew to the Jews and his own did not receive him. Many Jews rejected Jesus because he didn't fit their categories of what a Messiah would look like, what a leader would look like, a religious leader or a political leader. Throughout the Gospels, we see that they wanted to make him king. They wanted him to set up shop here on this earth and, and, and make their earthly existence the way that they wanted it to be. They wanted power. They wanted prestige. They wanted money. They wanted influence in the world, and Jesus was none of that. A homeless man with a radical proclamation off in the outskirts of the city from Nazareth, this little back town place. It says he came to his own and, and they did not receive him. They didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, and, and this is where there, there is a remnant, a small group of people among the Jews, and then a growing group of people among the Gentiles who did recognize Jesus as the light of God. And then they received Jesus as the light. They received what Jesus revealed to them. And it says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave right, the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And jump down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. 
he has made him known. See, Jesus is the light who comes to make known to us God, who is light. Jesus is the light. God is light. Jesus reveals to us God's light, and Jesus shows us what it means to live in God's light. We, we have to recognize that Jesus is God revealing God. In Jesus, God is known. God is not some mystery, some creator, some higher power up in the sky who's hard to know. Jesus comes revealing to us who God is and what God is like. To know Jesus is to know God. To read the Gospels and to see who Jesus is and what Jesus is like is to see who God is and what God is like. And so we have to recognize that Jesus is God revealing God. And then we also have to receive what Jesus teaches. So we're going to go through the Gospel of John for the coming months. And as we do, we need to receive what Jesus teaches as truth and what he does as God's grace. There's this responsibility on mankind to, to, to surrender to the invasion of the light and then to recognize who the light is. It's Jesus. And, and to receive what the light is revealing, God's truth and God's grace. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, now keep in mind the Apostle Paul, right? We, we saw in Acts chapter 9, Paul's dramatic conversion as a result of the light shining in his darkness. Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth, and he talks about this amazing light of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, to get a little context, Paul is writing about Moses coming down from the Mount Mount Sinai with the, with the law of the Lord. And, and when he was in God's presence, his face was so radiant, so glorious, the people of Israel couldn't look at Moses. He had to have a veil to cover his radiant face because he had been in the presence of God. God is light. And in his presence, there is radiating, illuminating light. And so Moses came down from this mountain, his face shining so brightly. And now Paul is instructing us about how we receive Jesus as the light. He says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but, the, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, remember he's talking about Moses having a veil over his face because they couldn't handle the glory of God in Moses' face. And he's using that imagery, saying, even if our gospel, the good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There's some in the dark who love the dark. They don't want to surrender to the invasion of light. They don't want to recognize the light. They don't want to receive the light. They don't want to admit what the light reveals in the darkness. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case... The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It's important to keep in mind there that God doesn't blind the mind of the unbelievers. Paul here is saying that, that the God of this world, the world, the flesh, the devil, has blinded the eyes of those who don't see the light of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. That's so what we do as we live life in a, in a dark world. We're trying to remove the veil from people's eyes so that they could see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And we're not fighting against them. 
Paul says in Ephesians 6, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers of evil authorities. The, the God of this world that is blinding the eyes of the unbelieving. He says, he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, our, our, our responsibility is to recognize who Jesus is and to receive who Jesus is and to respond to what he does, what he reveals. As you read through the Gospels, look at Jesus and, and receive him as the Son of God. Receive him as God revealing himself to us. And then we take his teachings as truth. And we take the grace of God that we see in the person of Jesus Christ as, as, as what we receive, grace, undeserved favor that we respond to now in how we live. One more passage to see this play out, this, this walking reality, right? We have to respond to God's invasion. We have to recognize and receive who and what the light reveals, and then we walk in the light, right? So Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 has a beautiful picture of this. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, pick it up in verse 8. It says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, I want to keep this in mind real quick. One time you were darkness, and now you are light, if you're in Jesus Christ, you are no longer darkness. You have dark tendencies. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to rehash all of this right now. But we need to know that our new nature, our new name, is we are light. We have been redeemed. We have been renewed. No longer does God look at you and see all of your dark deeds and think you need to clean yourself up. He's like, no, I've expelled. I've exposed your darkness, and I've expelled it. And he continues to expose and expel our darkness so that the true nature of us can be shown. We are light. Is at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's your new nature. You may feel like you're lost in the dark. You may be struggling with deeds of darkness, impulses of darkness, temptations of darkness. That's not your nature, brother or sister. Because of who Jesus is, he has transformed you from darkness to light. And so now we live out that new status, that new standing. We walk in the light as he is in the light because he has made us light. It says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We talked about that last week. The light exposes and expels darkness. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. This is the glorious work of God, exposing our darkness in the light so that we can truly live our lives in the light of God's glory and grace. And so don't be afraid of exposure. Those of you like dealing with secret sin, trying to hide your sin, trying to cover your sin, trying to let your sin stay in the dark, that's where it will fester and destroy you. Trust God's grace enough and find some trusted people. Don't trust everyone. Find some trusted people that you can, you can allow God's light to shine in your darkness and expose the, the, the dark deeds so that the light can make your life, make those dark deeds visible. 
so that you can repent of them and turn to God for healing and restoration. He says, for anything that becomes visible is light. As we bring it into the light, God transforms our darkness into light. Remember, it's light that expels darkness. And so we have to allow God into those places. He invades us, and, and there's this, right? Well, is it his invasion, or is it our response to his invasion? Both. There's some kind of mysterious us working with God and God working on our behalf when we can't work. Don't try to figure that one out too much. You'll end up being ineffective in your Christian walk. There's this, there's this togetherness of God initiating and invading and us responding. And he says, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. Pull back those covers from your eyes and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. See, it's his work. But then look at verse 15 again. And I know I'm going past where I said. We'll end at 14. We'll go to 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. There's this, there's this togetherness. God is shining into our life. Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. Christ is shining on you. And now that you have the light, and you can see the path in which to walk. Now you ought to walk in that way. Make the best use of time. Walk wisely. Walk on the illuminated path, not the dark path. Dallas Willard, speaking of this passage, he says, the Apostle Paul challenges us to walk as children of the light. And we can do that. We can choose to walk. It's something for us to do. It won't be done for us, though the help of the Holy Spirit surely will come to help us. It's like when I flip the light on for my kids and eventually they, sometimes I pull them out of the bed. And sometimes I walk them to the bathroom. I walk them to the kitchen. But eventually, right, they have to start taking the steps on their own. Same is true for us. And God is a good father. He knows when we need, when we need him to pull the covers back. And, and he tenderly leads us in that way so that we would walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, the third thing is for us to trust our standing as children of the light. Flip back to John chapter 1. Trust their standing. This is our work. We need to trust God, who he is and what he says about us. John, in, in chapter 1, verse 12, 13, he says, But to all who did receive him, remember we have to recognize the light that the light reveals, and then receive him. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, and that word believed can be translated as trusted, um, which, which I'm starting to like that word more because I think believe, we, we, like, we read that word and we think, I, got, I just got to believe, I just got to believe, I just got to believe in this mental ascent. But it can't be divorced from our action, from our trusting, right? Like the trust fall. Do you believe that if there's a group of people standing here, you close your eyes and you fall off the table, we'll catch you? You can say you do, but unless you actually do it, it right? Belief without action, they, they don't work together. And so, John here is saying to all who trusted in his name, to all who, yes, believed, they, they, they comprehended, at least sort of, as much as our limited minds can comprehend, but they trusted. They showed that they, that they comprehended who God was by stepping out in faith. They believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God who were born listen to this, your life, your very existence is not the result of some man and some woman deciding to have a good night together. I mean, naturally, yes. But there's something more to your life 
than a man and a woman coming together and procreating, and you're the result of that. He says, to all who believed, he gave the right to become children of God, verse 13, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, not just because of family planning or poor family planning, but of God. When we dedicated Wyatt this morning, he exists not just because Tyler and Pamela decided to have another child. God blessed them with another child in their family planning. But Wyatt exists because God saw fit to breathe his life into existence. You exist because God saw fit to breathe your life into existence. And then as you receive the light and as you trust God, you become, as the scriptures say, a child of light. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36. Jesus, later on in this letter, John records Jesus saying, so Jesus said to them, speaking about himself, being with them, and eventually he's going to leave. He says, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk. Again, there's the, there's the work for us to walk. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons and or daughters of the light. See what Jesus is saying there? I am the light of the world. While I'm here, follow me, walk with me. And then he's going to go on in John to say, I'm going to ascend to heaven, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will illuminate the path to you. He is the new light. You have the Holy Spirit lighting up your way. And he's saying, walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. And as you do that, you have this transformed nature. You become sons and daughters of the light. We have God, a good heavenly father who is the light. Like these metaphors, they just never end, right? I'm I'm always wrestling with like, should I say that we should trust our standing as children of God? Children of our father? Children of the light? Yes, all of it. I I stuck with children of the light because that's what Jesus is saying here, that you may become sons, daughters of the light. We have now been born again, as John 3 tells us. And now we actually belong to the light. The darkness that is creeping close behind is no longer our identity. It no longer has control over us. We are sons and daughters of the light. As Ephesians 5, 8 said, we already looked at this passage. You don't need to flip back there, but it says, walk as children of the light. You have been adopted into a new family. You have a good God who calls you son or daughter. He is the father of light, and he has called you a son or a daughter of light. Your very existence now is within the light of God. And then last thing for us to do is that we, number four, is to walk on the path illuminated by Jesus, the light. Walk on the path illuminated by Jesus, the light. That's all of what John 1, 1 through 18 is telling us, right? John is exposing to us, he's informing us that Jesus comes as this fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The light has shone in the darkness, and that person is Jesus. And so now, walk with him, walk with him, walk with him. Jesus himself taught us in John 12, walk with me. Paul, transformed by a blinding light, writes in Ephesians, walk with him, walk in the light. I want to give you one Old Testament passage that, that this John 1 passage is, is fulfilling, and then we'll turn our eyes to communion. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. 
flip over to Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. Old Testament prophecy about the coming of the light, which Jesus fulfills. And there will be some debate about this passage, if this is for here and now or later on. There's some people, I don't know if you're aware of this, there's people who disagree about prophecy in end times. And this is one of the passages that people can disagree about prophecy in the end times. And, uh, and I'll give you my take on it as we go quickly through it here. Chapter 2 of Isaiah, verse 1, it says, The word that Isaiah the son of Amoz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days, or some of your translations may say the last days, and some people think that's a day yet to come, when Jesus will return and establish a worldly kingdom for a thousand years. Some people think that's a, that's a day right now, this, this medical, metaphorical latter day that we're living in, and the Bible actually uses both language and imagery, so you can get into the argument over which one it is. It says, and it shall come to pass in a later day, what we know for sure is that this passage is pointing us to Jesus and then the rule and the reign that comes after Jesus' existence on earth. And there's some kind of already not yet element to the day and age that you and I are living in right now. We are in the latter days. We are in the last days. However, there's more latter days. There's more last days to come. Good luck figuring it out. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, Yahweh, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that may, we may walk in his paths. This is true here and now. There are people from every tribe, tongue, nation, language coming to worship God. The church has gone out and it has multiplied disciples on all the continents and different languages and people groups. Yet, it seems like there's this day where there will be even a greater increase of awareness of God and worship of God. I don't know how that works out. This is pointing us to Jesus, saying he is the light. It says that, that we will walk in his paths. That's what we're doing. That's why we're gathered here today. That's why there's a church in Czech Republic that gathered this morning. That's why there's churches in Asia and Africa and, and Europe and South America gathering to worship Jesus, to walk in his ways, to walk in his path. The middle of verse 3, he continues. He says, For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Oh, that'll be a glorious day. And then here's verse 5. It says, O house of Jacob. Another way of saying, O people of God. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. He's giving this prophecy, saying, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then Jesus comes onto the scene to fulfill that prophecy. Let's close out by looking at John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. When Isaiah said, let us walk in the light of the Lord, and then John in John 1 says, introduces Jesus as the light, the light of the world. And Jesus comes and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
this is God invading our world. Let's surrender to it. Let's recognize and respond who and what the light reveals. Let's embrace our status as sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of the light, trusting that status, that standing. And then let's walk on this path that Jesus reveals to us. I'm going to pray. And then if you trust Jesus, or if you are in a process of learning what it means to trust Jesus, if the, if the desire of your heart is to trust and follow Jesus, the communion elements are here for you. You don't need to be a member of our church. You don't need to understand our denomination or our theological distinctives or any of that. If the desire of your heart is to trust and follow Jesus, these elements are here to remind you of who Jesus is and what he's done, and you're invited to the table. Let me pray. As I do, could you open up your hands in a posture of both releasing and receiving? Jesus, we surrender to the blinding radiance of your light. We recognize you as the one true light of the world, and we receive your light to illuminate our personal and corporate darkness. We're grateful that you have welcomed us into your family. May we trust your heart as we follow your lead. And now, Lord Jesus, as we approach the table, may we be nourished by the visible reminder that the bread and cup give us of your perfect life, your sacrificial death, and your victorious resurrection, in which is the forgiveness of our sins and new life in you, Jesus Christ. We love you. Have your way in us.